Well, we are in Mark 16, verses 9 through 20 tonight, finishing the book of Mark. I'll read through the verses in the NIV. And the issue here, of course, is those, the note in our Bibles that says between verse 8 and verse 9, in my NIV it says, the most reliable early manuscripts and other ancient witnesses do not have Mark 16, 9 through 20. Now, first of all, uh, that's not a scriptural statement. That's an academic, scholarly statement which, like anything, it can be wrong, it could be right, uh, it's an opinion. Uh, and many people would, would argue uh, against that. And any, what does it mean, the most reliable early manuscripts? We'll talk about that. And other ancient witnesses, the other ancient witnesses, most cat, most of the category would be most likely those, uh, the early church fathers, those who are writing uh, letters or they're writing sermons and they're quoting from the book of Romans or they're using a reference from uh, 1 Corinthians and then maybe we'll use something that Jesus said in the Gospels and maybe comes out of Matthew uh, and then but they don't quote these verses here uh, they quote other parts of Mark uh, then there's a big debate uh, a huge debate on on how everybody's interpreting that information so I'm going to I'm going to try to I'm going to address it and I can argue both sides of it. And actually, there's three or four sides to the debate. Um, but uh, it's something we need to look at. And it's, it's interesting. If none, nonetheless, it's going to be interesting. Well, <laughs> I think it's interesting. <laughs> you are free to choose. But here, here are the verses right here. I'm going to read, uh, the, uh, beginning in verse 6. Uh, let's go to verse 4, chapter 16, verse 4. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. These are the three women. Uh, Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell the disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And that's where the line is drawn. So now that is either the end of the book of Mark. That is where the last page of Mark's writing was lost. Or that is an error somewhere because manuscripts early manuscripts don't have any more verses some of them don't so the scribe made a mistake and forgot to copy them or then someone would have added this verse here or these verses here and here we begin and we'll come back and look at some of the internal information in this uh, but they, they the women the book of mark would end with trembling women bewildered confused about the message uh they flee the tomb they don't tell anyone uh, because they're afraid in the book of Mark. Okay, so if that is the end of the book of Mark, you can see why someone sometime later, maybe the very next day, the very first time they read the letter, but sometime in, you know, in the second century at least, someone goes, we got to clean this up. That's a terrible ending. You've, you've all watched the movie and go, that's a terrible ending. I'd rewrite it. Well, someone put an end to it. Or this is the end. So, there's this confusion. We'll talk about it. Here it is. Here's the verses 9 through 20, the, what we'd say, at least the verses that are called into question. 
When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. Now, I'm going to make this comment. Do you already feel a change in direction? The women go out fleeing. It's the first day of the week. They've already been to the tomb. Go tell. And then almost, and I'll bring this up again, it could be almost like this is written from another, it's someone just cutting pieces from another document. Uh, because when Jesus rose early the first day of the week, well, they're introducing the first day of the week again. We already know it's the first day of the week. In fact, they're using a different word. And they're using the word rose again. It would reference to a person uh, in, in the masculine. And it's like, who, who is it? It's like the last person mentioned it would connect to would be the women or to Mary. Uh, then it says, and appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Now, these would be like the 11. Afterward, Jesus, or that then and others that were gathered with him, afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. They returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, again, that sounds, yes, they should, be, they should have had faith. But the whole point of these verses now coming up is you are to go out with this message and tell the world. Tell them what? That I have risen from the dead. We didn't even believe it. I mean, it's like until you showed up which gives the, it kind of leaves it hanging. I, I want you to take a message to the world that you didn't even believe. And I want you to lay your life on the line. It's like, well, we didn't even believe it until you showed up. Are you going to show up? No. So it's, 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 it's that, I feel that contrast uh, con uh, there of even the people that heard the message that are the apostles that are entrusted with the message when they first heard. It's like someone trying to sell you some, get you in some kind of pyramid scheme. It's like, I don't believe that. And then they say, yeah, but, and they give you, it's like, oh, but I want you to go out and get recruits. It's, I, I, I didn't even want to be a recruit. But nonetheless, again, I'm, I'm challenging these verses, and you know, if you're being critical of me, that's, that's fine, because they're in your Bible. But I'm just giving you some room. It's like, do they fit textually? Now, all the things that are being said here are found in Matthew, Luke, or John. There's nothing, in a sense, new here or strange. Uh, it's just the way it's being presented. So, again, I don't want to, I'm a Bible teacher. I believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. Uh, I, I don't want to go down in a sinking ship tearing the Bible apart. But these are some questions. And does it match the way Mark writes? Maybe it's a perfect match. Uh, he rebukes them for their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he'd risen he said to them go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned i mean look at the balance uh salvation or condemnation on a message that you didn't even believe the whole world is going to be judged on a message that even you didn't believe when you heard it until i showed up and chewed you out for not believing it and these signs and this might be why these are here well, we didn't even believe until you showed up. Mm, good point. So I'll give you some signs. 
And these signs will accompany those who believe. And this is, uh, you know, it's written, these will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They might not, it's not they might, they will. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. It's, all, it's like if you believe the message of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ, you will go to heaven and you poison can't kill you. Yet we know poison can kill us, but we know God can deliver us from poison. But we know faith in Christ will save us, but is that everybody who believes? It's like, where's the guarantee? I mean, these are like absolutes, which is kind of, it's in the notes, especially coming from a book. Remember, anytime signs came up, Jesus in the book of Mark was like, he wasn't big on signs. They said, we show us a sign. He says, this generation won't, won't receive. I will not give this generation a sign. He says, what kind, of a, what kind of people want? I'm giving you the truth. So the whole book is about no signs, believe. And now all of a sudden, oh, hmm, this is a tough message. You can drink poison, it won't hurt you. You can pick up snakes, it won't bother you. Uh, you can, and it, well, it goes on. They'll place their hands on sick and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God, all of which is true. From, you know, we know that from other sources, if not from here. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. And again, we see in the book of Acts, signs following. And we can make a case that signs still follow the preached word of God. If nothing else, it's the, the, the receiving of salvation, the transferring of a soul from being dead to being alive, from being in darkness to being in light. Uh, that's one of the greatest signs, especially we, we see ourselves maturing and growing in Christ. Uh, that's, that's a sign in itself. And again, but it's in context. They're talking about these, uh, what we'd say, charismatic type of signs. Nonetheless, there's the verses. Now, what about these verses? I, I look at the notes here very quickly, and again, I've it's a lot of pages on notes, and we've got to keep moving. Uh, Mark 16, 9 through 20. Yeah, this is, again, th some of this stuff is just information. It's, I want to say it's facts. It's the way the world, the scholars have accepted. You say, you, you don't agree with it? That's fine. You should I said some things you should probably not agree with. It's like, well, it's not that hard to believe. It's like they should have believed, and you can... You could argue that case. I'm making a presentation. But almost universally, these verses are considered the work of a scribe after Mark. Now, when I say all universe, it's almost universal. There are some people that are, like I said before, they're shutting this off right now, going, I'm not listening to this heretic because these are the Word of God. I, well, yes, it's, it definitely has the concept of the Word of God, but it is the way the Bible is assembled, and here's a Greek New Testament right here, just written just in Greek, with an apparatus at the bottom showing you how it's put together. There's not a magic Bible in Jerusalem that everybody goes to Sondra and they're going to put in a new Bible. They go over there, can we see the Bible? And we want to make a translation. There's not a magic Bible somewhere. There's, there's, there's uh, pieces of papyrus. This is actual papyrus from around the time of the New Testament. That, 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 that they've got these things. And part, we'll talk about these things. There's... there's uh, copies of other things we'll, we'll pass around i'll show you some pictures that they, they have to put it together sometime around 325 350 400 you're going to get codex sinaiticus a complete bible codex vaticanus a complete bible codex alexandrius a complete bible a codex of pages sewn together you know maybe 12 inches thick 
But that's 325, 350, 400 A.D. What about where's it been this whole time? Well, they've been copying it. They believe it's Scripture. I believe the Bible has been preserved. I think those people that received the letters from Paul, and again, we're throwing the Old Testament in there too, they, they protected it. They didn't put up with people changing it because this was what they were preaching. This is what they're living and dying for. They're not going to let someone just come in and alter the text. And there's a many witnesses and the idea that these things are being copied. If someone received a letter from Paul, you can see it in Ephesus, he, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, Colossians, he says, uh, read the letter I sent to Laodicea and likewise make sure they read your letter. Well, you're not going to, oh, here's the letter. And then just here, you take it. It's like, well, they're going to, if you're going to read the letter at Laodicea, I'm going to say, well, if you want, you copy it and give me your letter. I'll copy your letter. And so you're going to, right away, they're making copies of it. I mean, it's so, and again, they're not just randomly, they may, they're making mistakes. We can see mistakes in the copying. Uh, and you can see places where scribes would like try to tweak it a little bit. But there's enough uh, manuscripts to compare it and decide what was the authentic, where did it come from? You can see the errors developed. And that's going to be important. And the question here is, concerns these verses is why were they written, when were they written, and who wrote them? And the easy question, Mark wrote them to the church of Rome, or to the people of Rome, as we've been saying, uh, and he wrote it in, you know, 64 A.D., but it doesn't seem to fit and doesn't show up in some of the manuscripts, early manuscripts. Uh, no copies of the original books or letters are called autographs in the New Testament survived. Uh, and so what we have is copies of those manuscripts, and we don't even have copies from the first century. We don't have a few copies in the second century. So we're relying on the scribes having copied it correctly, and, and I do believe they did. I th they were very diligent about it. Uh, but we've got to trust those copies. And when they deviate, you can't say, well, I disagree with it. Well, how do you know which one? Which, which, where's, where are you going to make your correction? Uh, manuscripts that are used date from 115 up to 1200 A.D. for these verses. Again, uh, again, not, yeah, we'll, we'll say 115. From the New Testament, we can say 115, and I'm going to show you this. Uh, some, are, some of the complete manuscripts are codexes. Now, first of all, when they would write in the days of the New Testament, they would write on a scroll and roll it up. It was right around 250, 300 A.D. that they began to cut the, uh, if it be the, 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 the parchment, the animal skin, and then put them in pages and sew them together so you could turn the pages over. Otherwise, there's a scroll, which is a huge argument for this book of Mark. If it was written on a codex, pages, maybe the back page wore off as they're passing it around. That's, a, that's, that's possible. But were they, was it written as a codex? Was it written in a book form? Or was it on a scroll uh, that you'd have to unroll? Now you've got the inside of the scroll falling off, uh, and it would have to fall off right away. And, and again, there's, there's several questions. Now, up until the 700s, it was written as called unseal. That was all capital letters. In fact, written just like this, all capital letters, they just fill the page up. And you can see the date of text if it's unseal, all capital letters. Around 700, they began to write smaller letters. We're talking Greek now. Uh, what's called minuscule. Uh, the codexes that are, or the unseals or codex that are written in unseal are the most valuable as a scholar, because they're the oldest and closest to the original. Although you've got to take into mind where, where and who was copying them. Was it some perverted form of Christianity? Imagine the Jehovah Witnesses going to the Greek and making their own translation like they have, 
And they, they well, we, we, we made our own translation. Well, you, you twisted everything. Even in their John chapter 1, verse 1, uh, they change uh, the word was God. They change it to the word, th- this Jehovah Witness, the word, or Mormons, the word was God, or the, wor- the word was a God. I mean, that's, it's like, well, it says it right there in their Bible. You, you screwed up the translation. So you've got to consider they're the oldest, but are they indeed the purest? Were they writing their own doctrine into it to correct? And you can see that taking place at different times. That's not an issue tonight. By 900s, they're writing the smaller script. Now, interesting, the movable print, uh, Gutenberg's printing press, 1440, it began to function, began to print flyers and things. By 1455 A.D., the Gutenberg Bible was printed on the Gutenberg printing press. So these things are manuscripts. These are everything here before 1440, 1455. Everything was written by hand. Nothing was printed. It had to be copied. Are there errors in the copying? Yes, in fact, there's errors even when they started using the movable print. There's one book called, Bible called the, the Murderer Bible because, uh, or, or the Wicked Bible. One says, thou shalt commit adultery. Another says, thou shalt kill. I mean, it's like they, they forgot the word not. It's like, oh, and it's like, we printed a, you know, 500 Bibles print. It's like, it's like my Jerusalem book, you know, right here. Got the cool uh, Jerusalem here, and then on top in Hebrew, before me and Tyler started studying Hebrew, uh, it, it's written backwards. It's like, oh, I wish I could go reprint that cover right there. But nonetheless, uh, most people don't know. But nonetheless, now everyone knows. Okay, there's that story right there. So uh, here we've got, I'm going to show you some things. The ending of the book of Mark, as it is, chapter 16, verse 8, could be the original ending. There's reasons why that could be true. There's reasons why that's absolutely not possible. Uh, there's the option that there's a missing ending, that, that, that it was lost, or somehow it didn't get finished. It, it was, remember, we think he's writing the, the book of Mark, the gospel, for the believers in Rome who were under persecution by Nero. So Mark himself, you know, it, people are speculating. Even people that uh, support the verses being in the Bible. There are some people I was reading, they fight to defend those verses, but they say, well, yeah, but they were clearly, Mark didn't get to write them. It was maybe Mark's notes, but Mark got killed. Uh, but then he got that whole situation because in 2 Timothy, Paul's in prison, 67 AD, and he's asking that Mark come join him because he's useful because P- Peter's dead by that time. The book of Mark apparently is written already, and he wants him to help him as a scribe while he's in Rome. So, but then, that could be, a, he, maybe he got interrupted. Maybe he got, maybe he got put in jail. What, anyway, there's something missing. Maybe he got lost. Maybe Mark didn't finish it. Then there's a short ending shows up. And here's that short ending right here. Right after chapter Mark chapter 6, verse 8, 16, verse 8, some, it, it shows up, one place it shows up all by itself. It is the only ending on the, man, I'll show it to you. The only ending on the manuscript. Other places it shows up at the, after verse 8 as the short ending. Then after the short ending, then you've got the long ending that we've got here. And here is that short ending. I'm going to read, it's here. I've got one other place in the notes. This is not in your Bibles, I don't think, depending on what translation you've got. But this short ending is there and was possibly earlier than the long ending. But nonetheless, if you accept the long ending, you're rejecting the short ending that's in some manuscripts. But if you accept the short ending and the long ending, it's pretty clear the short ending was written first 
and the long ending came after, not knowing that the short ending was in existence. And pretty soon they both meet, and they just leave them in there. They put the short ending and then the long ending. So in other words, there's two endings for the book of Mark, which challenges the idea that if Mark intended to leave his book, end his book at Mark 16, verse 8, there, what a great, great artistic work of literature. It's like, no one thought so, because they keep trying to add an ending to it. It's like, what a great movie ending. I didn't get it. And everybody tries to figure out the ending of the movie. So you say, well, uh, Mark, verse 8 is the final verse. Well, no one liked it. Well, many people didn't like it. They spent two centuries trying to rewrite it. You say, the long ending's the ending. Yeah, but there was already a short ending that someone already filled in the gap. So if you accept the long ending, you're rejecting the short ending. And here it is. Here's the short ending. After verse 8, they went away fleeing, afraid. But they reported briefly to Peter and those with him all that they had been told. And after this, Jesus himself sent out by means of them from east to west the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Now, if you've ever been to church for very long, you can just hear church in there. He sent them out with the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Sounds just like Mark's been writing for the last 16 chapters. Or it sounds like you're in a church service somewhere, somewhere down the line as things have kind of gotten cleaned up and we've got our act together uh, and they've got some kind of liturgy going. And again, that's just, that's what some people would say. Not that it's impossible, but it, okay. Uh, this is found in four uncial manuscripts. See the, the big letters, the capital letters. From the 600s, the 700s, and the 800s. So on the tail end, we're, we're, we're 600 years before we see this show up in any manuscripts. That doesn't mean that's when it originated. We just don't have everything that was written for, you know, every, for all time. Uh, three of the four manuscripts then follow verse this part with the long ending. So in, in, in sometime in the 700, 800s, 900s, there's the short ending shows up once just by itself, and that's the end of Mark. Then the other four, three times it shows up, it's that verse and then the long ending along with it. Okay, there's that. Then you've got the long ending. Uh, and then there is our additional words. We'll never mention this again tonight. There are additional words in one manuscript called the freer or the washing tonanius uh, inserted after verse 14 of the long ending. It says that afterward he appeared to 11 themselves as they were reclining at the table and he rebuked. Da, 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 da. And so that's something that was added in. Someone's trying to clean up the long ending. It just, again, so that's what, why are you cutting that out? It's in one manuscript. So one scribe s put it in there. Is it original? Uh, well, it's probably not. And that's what you're looking for of uh, textual criticism. Now, with that being said, I am going to fly through a few things here, I think. Tick-tock, tick-tock. There's our timeline. It's on your notes from 30 A.D. to 210 A.D., these are some pirate papyrus right here. The, all the manuscripts that they can find, and I've got a, a copy laying right there by you, Steve, right there on that table. And here's another one, not that you need to look at it, but these are all the manuscripts uh, that they use to build the Bible. Now, when I say build the Bible, some of them are complete Bibles, some of them are in Latin, some of them are in, in, in Greek, uh, some are, you know, a variety of different languages. Uh, some of them are fragments, but all these are compared, and they're all titled, like this one is called P104, meaning Papyrus 104, 
P52, Papyrus 52. They've all got a number, a, a number on them or a, 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 some kind of identification. Uh, I was going to show you something. I don't have it on the board yet. Here is the next one, right? Next slide, right? Here we go. This now is from 210 to 410 on my timeline. And now you see right in here, 325, you get Codex Vaticanus. That was found at the Vatican Library. It was originally, it was first taken captive uh, by Napoleon, and he took everything with him, and then they sent everything back. But someone remembered seeing, Tregellis was his name, seeing an old, old codex in all the books that Napoleon had taken, and then they sent it back. He goes, can I go see that? And they go, well, you can't. You can't touch it. You can't you copy it. You can only read it. And, and, it, and they had a guard watching Tregellis do this, and he would read, and he would go every day and read a little bit of it and memorize it. Go back to his room, uh, I'm way off subject, and write it down, word for word. Go back the next day, memorize another large portion of it, write it down, until he had the whole thing, Codex Vaticanus, written down. Then he comes back and, and publishes it. And, and when they realize what they've done, they publish it themselves and print out, sent out the little plates of the images of this way back, late 1800s, whenever he was doing it. But that is Codex Vaticanus. The, 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 the Catholics, the popes, kept that hidden until the 1800s. Codex Vaticanus. 325 to 350. Constantine, in 325, took public money and issued a decree that 50 Bibles be printed and put in the churches. Now, it's nothing like we all have our own Bibles. Some of the churches until 325 didn't have a Bible. I mean, they had doctrine. They had uh, liturgy. They had copies of things. But he had a decree, and, he, and this may be, speculation, this may be one of the 50 Bibles that, that comes from 325 when Constantine issued that decree. Again, we, we're, we're putting piece together. Okay, then up in here, that's a piece of it. That's the end of Mark right there, without these verses. Codex Vaticanus, no Mark 69 through 20. Does that solve the problem? That's just, an inf that's just information. Maybe it was lost by that time. Now, Codex Sinaiticus, probably 350, found on Mount Sinai, the traditional Mount Sinai. Uh, 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 I'll think of his name. I, I know his name. I, I, I know. Uh, Tischendorf. Tischendorf goes up there looking through all the old monasteries, looking for old manuscripts, and he finds pages uh, uh, that they've got in a bend to burn. And he looks at it. It's like, where did you get this? Ah, it's some old stuff we got back here. And he can, he's reading it. It's, it's ancient codex material rolled up to be thrown in the fire. And he got excited about it, kind of blew the cover, and they go, well, no, we want it. And so then they had to negotiate, and he found, they found it, and they got it all put together. It's Codex Sinaiticus, also without the last verses of Mark. That's Codex Sinaiticus, another codex. It's where there's so much. It's a book. It's a book. Then these other ones coming up there. Okay, very good. I'm going to show you some things here. Here's the next. This is an example of a piece of papyrus. Papyrus 104, it's a piece of a codex leaf, uh, or it, it's, it's from, uh, copied around 100 to 190 A.D., so it would be a very early form of the codex. So that's, that's, John would have died in 96, 98 A.D. This could have been copied as early as 100, as late as 190. And they can tell because of uh, the material and, and, and the lettering. Here is a, just a, this is something around from, we don't know for sure, but this is authentic. This is, this is real. This is mine. Uh, from 200 B.C. to 200 A.D., this is demotic, not demonic, demotic. You've got hieroglyphics. Uh, you've got uh, 
after that, that Hierapolis, uh, not Hierapolis, uh, oh, just forget, I knew I'd forget it. Uh, and then the next step is demotic. It means common. It's, it's demotic, and that's, that's, a, that's a piece of papyrus. Uh, look how small these are. These are fragments. See how small those are? Little piece of, that's also uh, papyrus from, say, the, the time of the New Testament. Uh, you, what you do is pass that back, and then Tony's going to start collecting them in the back. Here's, here's two pieces of papyrus. This is a little bit bigger. You can make some letters out. I wish they were Greek. And you can see the papyrus. You look on the back, you can see the pressing of the, uh, the, the, the uh, papyrus reads, uh, heretic, Q, uh, uh, hieroglyphics, heretic, demotic. Okay, that's one of those, you know, I'm not crazy. I just can't remember everything. All right. All right, where am I at? Okay. Those are, those are, that's, you see the size. This is actually, I don't have any New Testament manuscripts. If I did, they'd be priceless, and we'd want them for research. These are just stuff out of Egypt, demotic stuff. Uh, nonetheless, there's that one from, from the second century. That's how early they're copying the book of Matthew. Here is uh, the John Ryland manuscript, P52, John Ryland manuscript. It's got John 18, 37, and 38 on one side. On the other side, John 18, 31, and 33 matches your book of John. This comes from as early as 110 to 130 AD, the John Ryland manuscript. Here's a papyrus, P98, from Revelation, around 150. Again, this, really, this is really undermining those who say the Bible was written in the second century. You know, it's not written by the apostles. Because these, you've, got, you've got the John Ryland manuscript right here from the time uh, 110 to 130 A.D. Uh, John wrote in Ephesus, this was found in Egypt. And it's traveling, John wrote around 90 A.D. And by the time you get to possibly 110, at least 130 A.D., you've got a copy of the book of John in Egypt. I mean, it's a continent or two continents, however you want to divide it up. Continents away, it's actually two, but it's pretty close to Europe where Ephesus is. Uh, nonetheless, but it's there, and it's a copy. It's not John's copy. How many copies were made between Ephesus, Jerusalem, and Egypt by the time this got here? I mean, I mean, how many? I mean, two? I mean, but nonetheless, people had copies of the Bible, and they're not going let, to let it get changed. Uh, this is a pirate, uh, uh, nine P90, that's John 18, from 160. There's Codex Vaticanus. Now, again, they put new binding on it. This is the end of the book of Mark right here. Right? There's the end of the book of Mark right there. Kata Markon. Now, notice right here, watch this. Kata Markon. Kata means of Markon, Mark. And here's the last verses. They fled. I, I'm translating. Here you've got the, uh, uh, the Greek. Here's the translations. They fled from the, notice how it's being written. All just this spaced in there. Tomb had ceased for them trembling and amazement and to none no thing they spoke. They were afraid. And the last word, very interesting. The last word is right here. You can see it. He Greek gar, which means for. They were afraid for that's all I've got. And so that's one indication. Like, now you can, and notice how the English does it, they were afraid. For they were afraid. But, and so they say, well, there's nothing wrong with that. It's a nice ending. But the way it's written, it's like that's not how you necessarily end the book. So nonetheless, that's, that's, that can be argued either way. And we're just getting information. 
Uh, there it is again, Codex Vaticanus. And what is interesting about this is here's space, but there's also an entire column left. And that's unusual. They always leave this space between books, but they left an entire column, which is enough room if you started writing a little bit smaller for the, these verses right here. So it's like the scribe. Some people say the scribe knew of these verses. And I guarantee you they knew of these verses in 325 because they know of these verses in uh, 150, 200. They know of these verses. They're just like, that's not, where, that, that's not Mark. Oh, again, we'll talk about that. So you can see that right there. There's a struggle in 325 why they leave this column one, the verses are not there in 325. But they leave a column, they're wondering about them, possibly. So does this say yes or no to the verses? It just says there's something going on with these verses in 325. Well, how can you say that? They're not there. <laughs> it's like, well, you're being, I'm just, they're not there in Codex Vaticanus or in Codex Sinaiticus. Here is Codex Sinaiticus. Did I say Codex Vaticanus? I did it wrong the other time. That's, that's Codex Sinaiticus right there. And here is the end of Mark right here. And there's the beginning of Luke right here. See, Luke begins right here. See the columns? And there is the end. You see the end right here? And there's these little marks right here. And sometimes they'll put little dots out here. Many of the minuscules or manuscripts got little dots right here. Even as they write them, they put a little asterisk by it. It's like, mm, I don't know, I'll put them there. But then there's little like footnotes like, not everyone agrees and indeed not everyone agrees because they're not there and here is again the greek the translation and that's the end of vaticanus here's a synatic syriac this is a syriac language from 375 no mark this is syria this is another language not greek uh not found in egypt it's in Syriac, and there's no Mark there. And this was written 375. Not the book of Mark wasn't written 375. This copy was made in 375, and no Mark. So you've got, this is not, here, here's how it ends. This is the translation. And when they had heard, they uh, went out and went and said nothing to any man, for they were afraid. Here endeth the gospel of Mark. And that's what is said right in here. Okay, I can't read Syriac. And here is an old Latin copy from 400. Uh, this is the one with the short ending added to Mark 16 uh, with Mark, uh, with Mark, with, what I can't read it, without the long ending. This, has this, this is the one example from 400 AD of the short ending. So here they've got a short ending, no long ending. So it's not, they don't end in chapter 16, verse 8. They put that ending I read to you about proclamation of the, you know, Ah, this has it. Uh, this is one of the most faithful Latin Bibles. Would have been translated by Jerome originally. This is from 700, 710, 715. It's, it's a codex, 12 inches thick, uh, with 1,030 leaves or pages of parchment, which translates, uh, 1,000 pages of parchments translates into the skin of 500 animals right there. Uh, yeah, if you're, if you're a vegan or pita, let's keep moving. Uh, but anyway, they wrote on that. But that, that, the, that Mark is 16, these verses are in that. And here it is right here. The end of Mark is right here. And beginning of John. Uh, minuscule, this is another minuscule uh, that we could talk about. Ah, uh, here is, just so you can see this, 
And again, I'm, this is a Greek. This is the Greek New Testament. It's all Greek. Then this line right here is the apparatus. And uh, those codexes are, for example, Codex Sinaiticus is called Alpha. That's the name. See, some of these you're going to see P's in here. Like, oh, these would all be P, P28, P33, P700. This would be Alpha. This would be uh, uh, Vaticanus would be, Vaticanus is B. Uh, but anyway, they're talking about, this is in verses 16, 1 through 8. So, well, right here, verse 1 of 1 through 8. This is the Greek, and these are, the, this would be Sinaiticus, this would be Alexandrius, this would be Vaticanus. Those are codexes that are confirming this is right, so how they make the translation. So there's others, they're going to have other ideas about it. That is, and then here is the actual ending of Mark right here. This is the appearance of this right here. And if you look down here in the apparatus, it's going to make statements on who doesn't support this. Right there, the, the alpha, you can see, I'll have the next page right here. Right here, uh, 9, omit verse 9 through 20. Who does that? Sinaiticus, that's the alpha. B, that's Vanicatus. The lectionaries ends with, and then here's guys, Clement, Origen, Eusebius, manuscripts. They, they have comments about what they're, and I'll show you that, what they're talking about, those verses, and why they are not included in, they're here, but they're saying others don't use them. All right, what else we got here? Uh, that's the end of Mark. That's four, the gar right there. Uh, here is some of my papyrus right here. You've got a few of them right there. This is me looking at them right there. These are the fragments. Uh, there's a little piece there, a little piece there. And here, that's this piece right here. Again, and that is, again, papyrus with writing from around the time, you know, 200 B.C., 200 A.D., uh, and that's just something like that. That's another piece of papyrus. Ah, here's a, a Bible, Coptic Bible from 1064. Keep these dates in mind right here. Uncials, minuscules, that's the small letters. See, like this is written in minuscule. You can see like the, what your typical Greek writing, that's minuscule, smaller writing. Looks like it's all small letters. The movable print is going to start in the Bible, 1455. This is 1064, and this is the Bible in Coptic, and it's written on an early form of paper. This is, this is legitimate. I can tell you where it comes from. I can tell you who, who, who uh, asked for it to be made. Here is, I've got that page, but this is a photocopy of the back of that Bible. And on the back of this Bible, it says, it was in Arabic, right? This is in Arabic explaining the Coptic. And the English, written beside the Arabic, explaining the Coptic, says it was written in 1064 by the monk Farjala. So we know who wrote that. The monk Farjala wrote that. It says it here in the Aramaic. Uh, commission. Who commissioned it? Lady Miriam commissioned that. So someone, she was someone with money, and she paid for this to be written, and that was done by her, paid for, in the monastery of, and it gives you the name of the monastery, in Egypt, and then it gives another name of a town there. So that's, that's legitimate. That's, again, the Bible being written in Coptic in 1064. This is 60 years before the printing press. This is sheepskin. This is, uh, again, right before, I mean, look at, this is all handwritten. And uh, it's got red letters, blue letters. It would be a, it would be a mass. It's a, it's a, whoa, that's, ca right, every, listen, up to this point, everybody's Catholic. It's like, well, I don't want anything to do with mass. It's like, 
everything you see on this board, unless it's coming out of, you know, the very early church, it's Roman, it's Byzantine Catholic, it's Roman Catholic. So it's like, well, why you got this? Well, I can't find, you know, the Protestant version of it because it's not there yet. So this is sheepskin, and it's a mass. So within this is scripture that is written, but it's in a mass format. And you see the stitching right here? It's sheepskin, and it's written by hand. And that is, uh, what is the date on that? I've got, it's on, the guy that had this was in a, in a university, and he took a book that he bought and took it apart and sent it to different colleges and universities and typed right here on it. It's uh, 1385, you type right on the sheepskin, and then the university eventually was willing to sell it, and of course, I bought it. All right, that's, here is, that's 1385, Latin, man. okay, 1560, within 100 years of the Geneva Bible being printed, uh, in Switzerland, they wanted to print their own Bible with their reform notes, and this is a page of the, uh, 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 the Gutenberg Bible. And you can look at the lettering. It's, it's, you try to read that. Uh, but that's from 1560. That's the Gutenberg Bible, a page. That's, I mean, that's from 1560. That's not like a facsimile. That's not a copy. That is from a Bible that was all ripped up that they started selling pages from it. That is that what you see right there, 1560 Geneva Bible. Uh, this is interesting because this is 1566. This is vellum, which is animal skin. Uh, it's from France. It has nothing to do with the Bible, but I wanted to get a piece of parchment or vellum. This is 1566, handwritten. You can look in the back, front and back. And this is after the printing press was developed. And they're still writing in France on parchment by hand. And then we have one more thing to look at here. And that is our 1611 King James Bible. There is uh, Romans chapter 11 and 12 right here. Here you have it. Romans chapter 11 and 12 from the 1611 King James Bible right there with footnotes on the side or references. And that, of course, now we're printing the Bible by that time. And here is our maps right here again. There we go. So that's, that's what I've got to show you right there. And we've got about 20 minutes. All right. So that kind of gives you a picture of what they're doing right here, looking at the different manuscripts and how that all comes together. Uh, I'm going to go back to the notes. And I'm not sure how this is going to land right now. Uh, but I will point this out as we go through here that on page one the bottom of page one now when he arose i've got these things underlined in the greek now when he arose early on the first day of the week he appeared first to mary magdalene from whom he'd cast out seven demons several things are you can accept that if you want to that's i, I i'll die believing that's about i think all that's true the question is did mark write that or did a scribe fill it in the blank after mark was lost, didn't finish it, thought the ending was great with verse 8. And, you can, and again, we've got support. I showed you some of the support right here. Up until 325, 400, it's not showing up. Now, someone will say, and again, we want to be fair. I want to be fair. I don't, want, I don't know the answers, things you don't know. I can talk about pre-trib, mid-trib, all kinds of things. It's like I've got opinions, but it's like 
I don't know. It hasn't happened yet. And I can't go back in time and figure this out. We've got clues. Uh, but one of the things about this, that word right there that is translated have, having risen, it is uh, anas, ana, anastas. It's a masculine nominative participle, but it's referring to Jesus, but there's no Jesus so far to refer to. It would be Mary or the women or the young man in the tomb. So it jumps in, assuming you've already talked about in the previous verse. Next, the idea right there, it says, the first day of the week is the word prote. It's used here in 69 for the first day of the week. But in chapter 16, verse 2, the very same day, the very same situation, the very same chapter, the word is M-I-A, which means one day. So you got him saying one day, and then a few verses later, I mean, six verses later. Yeah, it's the first day. So you've already said day one. Now you're saying it's the first day. It's like, we know. How many times you got to tell us, well, I, I, I'm a new writer, or I'm taking something from another text and just plugging it in right here. Uh, or Mark's just re being redundant. But here's the real kicker right here, I think. He appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out uh, seven demons. Now, the thing about that is she's already been mentioned. You can see right there in chapter 50, she was there watching at a distance. She was there watching the stone be rolled away and the body put in the tomb. And she's talked to in chapter 16, verse 1, she's the one at the tomb. And now Mary Magdalene, you know who I'm talking about, the one he cast demons out of. It's like, is that different than the other Mary that was already, it's like, why would you, it's almost like an introduction. Now there's room for a statement like that. If Jesus had told Mary, Earlier in the book, Mary, I will appear to you at the tomb early in the morning. Now, she's at the tomb early in the morning, and he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, whom he had said he was going to appear early in the morning at the tomb. That's like, oh, well, I know why you said that. But why on Easter morning, Sunday morning of the resurrection, uh, Mary Magdalene's being mentioned for the fourth time? Oh, let me tell you, she had demons. Anyway, uh, it's like it doesn't fit unless you're introducing her to which Mary are you talking about. Now, another section of material from somewhere else, maybe she's just being introduced. But you plug it into Mark, it's like, why are you introducing Mary? Isn't she just standing right here in the last two chapters? So those are the internal things that make you question it. Uh, it goes on. Uh, verse 14 on page 2 after he appeared to the 11 themselves and they were reclining at table and he rebuked them and I already made a big deal about that on that next page right there uh, there's the, no one believes his report I mean it's like the whole book is about Jesus and it's like and he's no one believes it and then they're supposed to go ahead and preach it but it's a message that no one believed originally uh, then you come over here to the ideal of, oh, nothing will hurt you, and I make a comment here somewhere, uh, you, you know, snakes won't hurt you, poison won't hurt you, nothing, you get healed, you, you, we're going to take care of you. It's like, wait, the whole book of Mark, guess what? It's like the, the book of Mark is sometimes called the suffering servant. You've got Matthew, the king, you've got Luke, the man, you've got John, Jesus is God, but in Mark, you've got Jesus, the suffering servant. And throughout the book, the disciples are told, you're going to suffer. Are you able to drink the cup like I'm going to? You've got to take up your cross and follow me. Oh, hey, guess what? No one's going to suffer. No poison, no snakes. It's like, wait, 
the, the whole idea was you're going to have to you're going to suffer. It's like, well, no, not us. And so that's just an interesting uh, way of looking at that. Uh, the original ending there, there's once again, there are four things. You've got the original ending It's chapter 16, verse eight. That's the original ending. Put a period. There. Some people teach that. Now you say, what are you teaching? I don't really know what I'm teaching. I'm just I'm just throwing information at you. I, 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 it depends on what I read last is kind of where I'm at. I do believe, if, I, if I'm going to make a statement, something is wrong in verse 8 going to verse 9. Based on, well, the internal evidence, but also you've got three, 400 years, and you've got some of the early people talking about it, like Irenaeus, uh, Eusebius, uh, Jerome, mentioning something's not right here, and they, they, they have reasons for it. So again, to say there's something wrong here is not unusual. Your, all your Bibles got it right here. The best scholars say there's something wrong here. Now, does that mean it ends in eight? Does that mean the ending was lost? Does that mean the short ending's correct? Does that mean the long ending's correct? But you can't have both endings be correct. Something's got to give. So you're going to have to choose one of those four. Probably the best is something happened that it wasn't a smooth ending and the end of the book is it's accurate but it wasn't mark's writing it was a scribe now where did he get it from uh when did they get it uh again even saying that i mean no matter what you choose someone's going to get mad at you it's one of the things someone's going to get mad at you it's like so th see that's why just don't teach just sing songs have potlucks and and have community events and have you know bouncy things and smoke machines and no one will get mad at you start teaching someone's get mad okay the original ending uh mark intended and here's what some people would say mark intended to end it after chapter 16 verse 8 in order and this is i've taught this i've liked this is he left it right here so it's like and the women went away afraid now You've got all that information. What do you think? Well, looking at this information, what he was doing was he was challenging his readers. It's your turn to make a decision. You've got the information. What do you think? Now, in that situation, that's clever. It's clever. It's like that's very good. And, and some of the commentators say, the problem with that is that's a very modern way of writing. No one wrote that way in the ancient world. They wrote information. They communicated. They didn't write with an open ending. Who knows? What do you think? It's modern. And the other thing against that, and I, I got to get to my notes, so I like to keep repeating myself. The thing against that is no one liked it. No one read it that way. Go, this is a great book for you Romans to read, and you come to your own decision. It's like they didn't do that. They go, there's no ending. Here. There you go. They fixed it. Plus, the people in Rome, you know the story. What's going on in Rome at this time? Persecution. They're in no position to be challenged. It's like, well, we need some challenge. Now, Western America churches, maybe you need something to kind of make you make some decisions because we're just like coasting through life. Right now, it's, it's going to change. But the people in Rome at this time were being persecuted. Their, their churches were, their members of the church were dead. And Mark said, I got an idea. I'm going to write you a gospel where you've got to make some decisions. It's like, our whole life is a constant decision where we stand for Christ. So they didn't need that kind of a book. So there's a strike against that. Uh, plus, it, yeah, like I say, it, it failed. Um, uh, point F on that page, other places Mark 
that includes a strange, unresolved ending. And I've got them written right there. Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away. Don't tell anyone. He says, I'm going to tell everything in parables so no one understands me. Uh, he, couldn't, he went to a tr- city, couldn't do any mighty works there. And my, he can't do any mighty works. He's like, why? Well, just couldn't do any mighty works. To go on, next story. And so there's a place where Mark is leaving things hanging. Uh, he heals a man. He, the man says, I see people, but they look like trees. Oh, and then Jesus, it's like, what was that? Why do they look like trees? Mark just moves on. It's like, what, can you come back? Why did he heal him? First of all, why did Jesus like not heal him the first time? Why did he need like strike two to get a base hit? Why, 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 what, what's going on here? And Mark doesn't get, well, and the moral of that story, it's like, figure it out. And he went on. So there's places Mark will leave things hanging, which would su- support the idea. This is a great way to end the book. Uh, turn the page. There's other ones listed there. Uh, also, point L, H-I, I guess, throughout the book of Mark, the heroes, such as the disciples and the crowds, had to pass through times of misunderstanding and doubt. The whole time, he's saying one thing, they're looking this direction, but he's taking them over here. And so they're missing it. So the idea that the book ends with the disciples completely missing it is, in a sense, typical of the book. Uh, K on that page. It's almost impossible for a page or a portion of Mark's original gospel to be lost and I've said that already, because it's probably in a scroll. It's not going to just fall off, which leads us to uh, the big thing, point two. Um, oh, I, I, I should say this. The resurrection, ha- yeah. Uh, some would say, well, the re- Jesus never appears to anybody. If you end in verse eight, Jesus never appears. And this is one of the big deals that's coming up later, is when Paul talks about the gospel, the gospel includes Jesus' death, burial and or crucifixion death burial and resurrection and appearance because you go through first corinthians 15 he lists them just like that not only has jesus been resurrected there's one more step he has to appear and he gives you a whole list, a whole list of people that you can go talk to he appeared to this person and these groups and all this these people over here so the the part of the gospel message is not just Jesus crucified, dead, buried, resurrected, but he appears. You see him again. That is what Paul says is the gospel. And so in this book, it's like you, you need to have, it says very clearly, he has risen. The young man sitting on the tomb where Jesus' body laid, he's not here. Look, I'm sitting where he's laying. Do you see him? I'm sitting here. So he has, he says, risen. End story. Except anywhere else the gospel includes his appearance and he appeared to people uh and so that 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 ends up becoming a problem if you want to accept that um missing uh mark's point two on bottom of page six uh, mark's intent intended end of the book was never written some would say uh mark died or was martyred or arrested in nero's persecution this is all speculation see uh, this is who, who knows Mark was interrupted and never came back. Maybe he had to, you know, fly out to another, you know, meeting or something. <clears throat> or Mark's original ending was lost or damaged in the original document. Uh, and so whoever copied it didn't know how to end it. And eventually someone says, well, we got to put something in here. And they made it as accurate as they could, but it was added. And uh, the original ending, verse, uh, chapter 16, verse 8, that ideal of gar, for, you can make it work, and we do in the English, but in a sense, that's, that looks like something was cut off right there. And there's a page seven there. I've got a little uh, box for you there. 
There are some parallels in ancient literature of the word for or gar coming at the end of a book or end of a sentence, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but Plato, Plotinus, uh, and, and some other references there. Uh, the Greek sentence can end in gar. Uh, you do not see this being done in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But you do see, point F, gar being used in a phrase. And here's three examples right here. Mark 9, verse 6. Uh, it's uh, ekphobio gar eg enanto. Me terrified, for they were afraid. And there's the word, and that's the end of the, of, the, of the line, for they were terrified. And the same thing, the other one, for they feared him. That's chapter 11, verse 18. And chapter 16, verse 8 is the last one. So again, to have it just stand there by itself, for, or gar, is unusual, but it does use this as a reference. Uh, point G on page 8. The existence of the shorter ending and the longer ending demonstrate that the scribes copying the manuscript considered Mark to be incomplete. The very fact you've got two endings means it's hard to accept verse 8 was understood by everyone as the end of the book. Uh, Mark quotes Jesus saying he would be resurrected after his death four times. And there you see it. But Mark never presents Jesus as resurrected as being seen. Whenever Jesus talked about him being uh, betrayed, arrested, uh, denial, death, they're all fulfilled with someone seeing it. But the resurrection that he also says it's not seen, which means something's missing. That, that's an argument for why something's missing. The short ending, uh, it's unnumbered. It's only found after verse 8, as we talked about. It's written there again. Um, it's got that strange phrase. You can accept it or you can challenge it. Uh, the sacred and imperishable proclamation of eternal salvation. Just doesn't sound like something rolling off the lips of Mark in the Gospel of Mark. But it could be. It sounds very churchy. It's found alone in 400 A.D. And I've got that written down. It looks like an early attempt. This would be the way it would be said. Is the short ending was an early attempt to end the book of Mark. Meaning it ends in chapter 16, verse 8, and the first thing they did was the short ending. It came first, would be the assumption. Um, and then later, we don't know the origin, the date, or the skill of the writers that doesn't match verse, the, the short ending with the long ending. Uh, the short ending, it first appears in 200 A.D. That's the first time we've got... Again, it was, it was in existence before at 200 A.D. because someone's copying it. Uh, we don't know when it happened. Uh, the long ending, we've got testimony of the long ending being 150 A.D. So if you just go by your witnesses, the manuscripts, and most likely the, uh, the, the people quoting it, the, 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 the church fathers, you're going to say the long ending comes first and the short ending comes second. But it would seem that the short ending was the first attempt, and so it would be the short ending first and the long ending second. Uh, sometime, you know, around before 150 A.D., because that's when we've got a witness of it, which puts the short ending at 125 without a witness, because the earliest witness is 200, but it just seems like the short ending would be needed and then the long ending, if you've already got the long ending, why are you creating a short ending? And so that's the logic. See the logic. It's like, why do we care? And most people don't. Uh, but there it is. And there's an example of it right there in that codex with the short ending. Turn the page. Um, 
the long ending, point four on page nine. Uh, translations from 16.8 through 16.9 is rough. The transition, I should say, the transition is rough. And it's inconsistent with Jesus uh, appearing to Mary. Where did all the other two women, all of a sudden, again, another point, Mary's there. Where did the other two women go? They all went and the Mary's there by herself. You can find something like that in the book of John. Mary is then introduced as if she'd ever been there. We said that already. Records, uh, it records three appearances of Jesus. Mary Magdalene he appears to. He appears to the two disciples on the road. And then he appears to the 11. Uh, the details of the long ending are pieces of information picked up from the other Gospels. Uh, you've got John 20, Luke 8. Uh, the, about uh, Mary having demons is Luke chapter 8. So it's very interesting that it comes in Luke chapter 8, and then it's at the very end on Resurrection Sunday, it mentions it again, which seems like someone's just identifying her as if we don't know, which again, for me, that's a, that's a red flag. That means I'm right. Uh, still missing in the long ending, though, is Jesus fulfilling his promise to meet the disciples in Galilee. Go ahead, he'll meet him in Galilee. You've got the long ending. You, he never gets there. He, it's like, where's this, this last promise? I'll see you in Galilee. And what happens when he gets to Galilee? We, nothing. It never even put that in it. Uh, the long ending is rejected by today's scholars, considered not written originally by Mark, by most early authorities such as Eusebius and Jerome. And this is, if you don't mind, uh, yeah, here we go. I'm going to quit. And we are on page 10. And I'm not sure if, uh, uh, if you care. Uh, I don't mean that as I don't care if you care. Uh, but I, I would like to finish this subject because I got a lot of notes on it. Uh, but at least give you the information, and, and, and uh, I don't want to leave you hanging like Mark did, and you got to come up with your own ending. Again, I, I don't know where I, I fit on the idea. I, I want it to be written by Mark, but I don't want to be tearing pages out of the Bible. But even people that, even people that argue, I mean, I've read their, I mean, some of them get angry when they're arguing their point. Even those who argue that you've got to accept these verses as scripture they'll then say but mark didn't write them they'll say a scribe added them it's like because well they he, he, mark intended them to be there he just couldn't get it done and so so even those that are fervent that these are scripture they'll still say it was a scribe and again there's nothing i mean nothing wrong with that when 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 uh why did why did paul want mark to come see him in, in second timothy while he's in prison he says he's useful for me in my ministry because he's a scribe. He can write. Paul can dictate or he can give him, he writes this letter here, make four more copies. He's like a copy machine. Or he, he could dictate to him. And you can see Paul's, even in his letters, he, even sometimes the guy, uh, the guy that writes it says hello. He, he greets, and I, I who wrote this letter give you my greetings. It's like, whoa, I mean, Paul didn't write this? It's like it says right here that someone else wrote it. Well, Paul's dictating, or Galatians. Paul says, here, I'm signing this letter now. See which large letters I write with? Because if you look at these, 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 these like the manuscripts, the scribe's writing is precise. It's like it's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a professional. Then Paul's here, give it to me, I'm going to sign it. Now, he says, see how the writing changed? This is, not, this is from me, because this is not, and he signs his name on it, and he says, use what large letters. So, I mean, someone wrote Galatians for Paul, and then Paul wrote off on it. So there is scribes, even in our scriptures, there's scribes writing it for the authors. Uh, it's like, what? That, you're destroying, I maybe are destroying your concept of scripture that Moses went up on a mountain and just wrote it all down as God dictated it to him. 
uh, or, or, you know, Paul's in a prison. God says, okay, right, uh, dear Galatians. Or he's not writing to Galatians in prison. But, you know, and God's dictating it to him. Or the Holy Spirit's burning it into his heart or something. I mean, it, it, there's something. The Holy Spirit's, it's, every word of Scripture is God-breathed. But how does it come about? I mean, Paul can be dictating it to someone writing it. Paul can be writing it himself. Jesus can just be pronouncing it, and, and Matthew's writing it down. Or Mark is remembering what Peter said that Jesus said. So Mark's writing what he remembered Peter saying that he remembered Jesus saying? Well, how can that be Scripture? Well, what, you, 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 want, what, you want, want a recorder? You want like a, a live stream broadcast that's recorded, and then we could, it's like you don't have that. And so something's happening here, and I would like to finish this up and clean this up a little bit, and I'll see if I can find something else to hand around next week because I, I used all my whistles and buzzers tonight. Uh, thank you very much for listening, and again, make sure you have the truth. You want the truth. That's where we're heading next. After Mark, we're heading into some conversations about false doctrines, heresies, uh, and things that we need to re- learn from church history but also look out for today. And, uh, you know, as always, Paul tells Timothy, watch yourself and your doctrine closely. And I, I, I same way with myself. It's not like I'm right. I've got to watch my lifestyle and I've got to watch my doctrine, the things I teach. It's not like, okay, I've got it. And then you just start teaching. It's like, wait, at any moment you can start deviating in your lifestyle or deviating in your doctrine. And I definitely don't want to do that. So, we can help each other. I'll pray, and we're, we're done. Father, we do thank you for the chance to look into these things. We thank you that the truth has been preserved for us. We thank that the Spirit of God lives and abides within us that will help lead us and guide us into all truth. We do ask that we'd handle these things diligently, that we could live a life that is pleasing to you, but also be a light to the world at this time in history. We do thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you for Christian fellowship and salvation through faith in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for your patience.